Welcome to Trap Talks. My name is Sushant. I am an e-commerce entrepreneur and each week we bring an inspiring entrepreneur or business person from e-commerce, retail or tech industries to help you discover how to start and grow your own e-commerce business. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get started. Hey there, entrepreneurs. My name is Sushant and welcome to Trep Talks. This is the show where I interview successful e-commerce entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders, and ask them questions about their business story and also dive deep into some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow their businesses. And today, I'm really excited to welcome Kayla Hutchinson to the show. Kayla is a self-proclaimed paper nerd and the founder of Lucky Dog Design Company. Lucky Dog Design Company is a stationery shop that specializes in colorful greeting cards, stickers, notepads, art prints, and desk calendars that, that inspire and connect humans. And today I'm going to ask Kayla a few questions about her entrepreneurial journey and some of the strategies and tactics that she has used to start and grow her business. So Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today at Trap Talks. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and get into detail. <laughs> So, you know, we were just chatting and you were telling me that you had a very interesting, um, you have a very interesting background and, and some of the things that you've done in the past, including, you know, hula hoop girl and also being a reporter. So maybe that's where we should start. You know, can you share a little bit about your background and how did you get into entrepreneurship and um, is this your first business or have you done like other businesses in the past as well? Yes. Um, so... Fun fact is, I don't think my business was started. I started it six and a half years ago, but I don't think it was started then. Um, I have been hand making paper with pulp and lint and sending cards since I was two years old. So I like to think that even though this happened six and a half years ago, I'm still, uh, it's been in my blood forever. Like this is something that's ingrained with me. Um, but I did own a business before that for eight years, and it was a custom event stationary business. So um, that's where my my previous background into the paper world came in. But before that, I was also a newspaper reporter for various um, daily papers across the Midwest, uh, East Coast of the United States. And I've had a lot of fun with that and a lot of really crazy stories to tell, but paper's kind of always been in my blood, I guess. That's that's just how it is. And yeah. Awesome. Um, so do you consider yourself more like a creative kind of a person who is just using um, business as an outlet to share her creativity with the, the, the bigger world? Oh, yes. I do consider myself a very creative person. I dabble in so many creative things. I embroider, I hula hoop, dance. Um, I love to, I'm, I'm getting into calligraphy, which is fun. And of course, within the paper world, I do a lot of digital illustrations and all of that. I like to keep myself busy with creative stuff. I like to have outlets. I love to garden. I am 
always, always creating in some facet. I think my husband thinks I'm going a little crazy all the time, but I just like to keep busy with fun things. And uh, I mean, it's it's also very interesting that even right now, I believe you you have a full time job, as you were saying. You know, you're a manager for a startup. Um, so, is this? Do you really consider your e-commerce business uh, kind of like a side project or um, um, a way to you know uh, use your creativity? Uh, or is this really, you know, you started this because, you know, you this was going to be like a source of additional income for you? What was the motivation behind um, behind your all your, you know, business projects in the past and, and, and this one as well? Yeah, I, I started business, like I started my event stationary business as it being kind of a side hustle. Um, there are a lot of in person, like there, there's a lot of points in station in event stationary where you're not really creating in the way that you want to, you're creating for someone else. Hmm. Um, so when I started designing cards digitally, it was more about me and, and what I wanted to design. And it was so freeing to actually be able to put my thoughts and, and, and everything I'm thinking onto stationary. Um, but I do not consider Lucky Dog a side hustle. I am full force in it. I have two employees as well. And we, we're building a business, you know, it, it, it does go at a slower pace than mm. a lot of people who are able to dedicate full time to it. Um, but I ended up, I ended up putting like full-time hours in anyway. I work every, almost every night. I do take Fridays off no matter what. And I typically work on the weekends. Um, so yeah, I do, I do consider it. Um, I mean, the reason I was asking that is because for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, the, the reason they start side hustle or they start a business is because they have this inherent desire for freedom, right? A lot of the entrepreneurs are driven by freedom and the ability to be able to control their own time and for you is it you know you said that this is a very serious project for you you are spending a lot of time is is the goal for you also as an entrepreneur that, that you know maybe two three years down the road or maybe even sooner you would be able to kind of go on your own and your business is going to be like your main thing or you know for you, uh, do you continue to do want to do like a full-time job because, you know, that gives you some, you know, that meets uh, some other need for you? Yeah, I do want this to be full-time at some point. I, full transparency, and, and this is, uh, this is a side um, I'm happy to talk more about, but um, years ago, I went full-time with my uh, event stationary business. I had all of my funds. I had regular income coming in, predictable income for a long time. Um, and I went, I went all in. I decided to quit my job and go into uh, working full-time for myself. And I failed miserably. Hmm. I didn't have the structure that I needed to go in every day and continue to build it with so much time. I just had all this time and didn't know how to use it well. I was so focused on how much income I was bringing that it just completely took away any passion I had for what I was doing 
and it destroyed me. I burnt out completely. I didn't create anything for two years straight, like no designs, nothing. I stopped. And I honestly learned so much from that, digging myself out of that hole of just not knowing what my true passion was, like feeling like I was at the bottom depths of this hole um, of depression, essentially from this. And so I'm not eager to go full time. Like I Mm. will take my, I will take my time. I will, I will, I love the stability of having that full-time job there. I love the benefits. I love also having this other creative outlet. Hmm. I do email marketing for a living. I get to go and I get to write and I get to, to just put another creative outlet, especially essentially out there. And Hmm. it helps me manage all of that as well. So uh, while I do hope that Lucky Dog, and that's what I'm working towards, goes full, t- full time at some point, I am mm-hmm. patient with it. I am mm-hmm. taking it with whatever time I have, and it allows me to really grow in a strategic way. Like I, I don't need to put all, let's say, put all of this time into social media. I know what actually moves the needle, and I can kind of strategize and use my time wisely, the, the time that I do have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a, you know, I think every business owner, every entrepreneur has their own goals of, you know, what their business, you know, what they want their business to be and how much time they want to spend in it um, uh, and, and things like that. Um, but one thing that comes to mind is that a lot of entrepreneurs, because to me, it seems like you're more of a creative person. Um, they, you know, in this kind of situation, you like, you know, they, they, they kind of, want to complement their skill set by finding like a co-founder who's more of a you know business person who's doing like that that day-to-day operations kind of a thing and let the creative person do the creative work create the products and i think that that kind of synergy helps you know balances the yin and the yang and and helps the, the the project move forward so have you ever thought about like you know kind of finding a co-founder or I, I don't know if in your team do you have more people who are you know taking over more more of the business responsibilities and so forth um I don't have a co-founder um I do have two employees I have a chief technology officer who kind of takes all of that burden off um of having to set up all of my systems. Like that's something I don't have to worry about at all, which is really nice. Um, And then I have a wholesale manager who um, researches shops that would be a good fit, does outreach for me, manages all of that communication and building rapport with all of these shops and and stuff like that. So I do, I don't think I necessarily need a co-founder in this scenario. Um, but I do, and I love the business side of things too, I should say, Hmm. but I do, I do strategically have the right people on my side, the right people working with me to build business, people who are passionate about it just as much as I am, um, and who are in the right places to help me. So like my wholesale manager, I was finding, I was my own bottleneck. I had to research. I had, I had to find shops. I had to reach out to them. I had to remember, remind myself to reach back out to them and then also nurture all of my existing customers that I do have. And through all of that, there was a lot that was getting mixed because I also had every other part of my business to work on. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I knew that I was my own bottleneck there, which is why I, I hired in that way too. You talk a little bit, uh, which I guess maybe you're uh, a topic that you 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 probably are closer to or maybe like to talk about uh, your products. So you have uh, a, a few different product categories. You have greeting cards, stickers, you have uh, some desk and office related products, some gift related products. Can you talk a little bit about your product selection? How did you like, where did you get started? And is the reasoning behind adding more categories or product selection is really that the more products that you have, the more selection people have to choose from. And so that really helped to drive the revenue. Yes. Yeah, so I started out with just greeting cards. Uh, that is my bread and butter. Uh, greeting The greeting card market from a retail perspective um, is really interesting. And I started it off as a subscription box. I did a Kickstarter and launched that and it went really well. And it was just thank you cards. Um, I found myself that creatively I was outgrowing it. And then also my customers were asking for like birthday cards and like all of these different types of cards. Um, and so I added that I started adding those to my site, removed the subscription box because I found just people wanted to pick their own cards. Hmm. Um, and then I moved into stickers <laughs> and the reason why I moved into stickers was because I saw this huge market. There were, everyone was talking about stickers. Everyone was doing things with stickers. Stickers were these super cheap, easy way to buy something. If you're at a market and you're buying from, from someone and, you, and you're like, ah, I don't really have the money for all of these other things. A sticker is three to $5. Like mm. you can support a shop with not that much. Mm. And that exploded my business, just adding stickers alone gave me this entire other market of people who just don't frankly care about greeting cards. Hmm. Um, and from there, I expanded to things that I loved that I saw a need for. Um, so notepads, having notepads that actually are undated or, or have a certain sentiment to it. Um, hmm. I do have quite a bit of snarky. And so people really relate to having that snarkiness on their desk, whether they go into a physical office or not. Hmm. Um, and they just like to see their personality reflected on their desk. So that's a whole other market of people. So I do, I've played around a lot with different products. Hmm. I try to stick more with paper, but over the years, I've tried a lot of different things. I've tried mugs, I've tried totes, I've tried shirts, I've tried hats, I've hmm. tried so many things and a lot of them failed and that's okay. Hmm. But um, I, I have the ability to kind of test different things and especially with paper. Hmm. I make my own paper, I have, or my own paper products. Hmm. I have a commercial grade design print, design focused printer. Um, or should I say like graphics, photo, photo um, specific printer. Mm. Um, I have everything that I need here that I can test and experiment with everything. Mm. I just launched gift tags earlier this year and they're going crazy. It's just something that people wanted that just have this, this little thing that is something you typically forget about. And mm. when you're doing gifts and sending mm. gifts and um so it, it's it's a lot of testing and sometimes failing, which is totally okay. That's that's so interesting that you know you are kind of building your own products, and 
that that brings me to my next question. So, so you are, of course, um, you know, the design person, so you can create your own designs easily. And I think these days, you know, kind of designing is has been a little bit more democratized as well with the whole AI thing, and also, you know, the tools that, you know, something like Canva provides you. It really gives people the ability to create different kind of designs very easily and things like that. But then. To make that design into a paper product, um, you're saying that you know you can print it, but then do you also do like you know binding and all these different things as well, or is that something? Uh, and is that really a cost-effective way of do the, doing these things? Yeah, so that is a really good question. I do all of the work myself. I am at this point a small shop. I. I am in just over 50 stores across North America, um, and my business is awesome. It's doing great, but I have the ability to make everything myself. I am very particular about what I use. Um, my paper comes from a very specific paper mill that is using completely recycled products, and it is 100% windmill powered the entire factory. So I haven't been able, like for some things, I haven't been able to find somewhere where I'm comfortable sending my, my designs to, to be manufactured. However, I'm a maker at heart, so it doesn't hurt at all. Like I, I would, I would rather until my hands are bleeding from putting things together, or I find that I am my own bottleneck, like with the wholesale manager, I will proactively look more for those sources and find a printer. Um, but I'm, I'm very picky about it. I, it is a lot more work. I am also in my own studio space and it's not that big. So I have different ways that I have worked to get everything in such a small space, which is another reason why mugs didn't work for, <laughs> for instance. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love making, I don't, I don't want to stop making and I will continue to make products until it's the, the one thing that's keeping me back. <laughs> okay. So I, I can make products really fast. I'm really good at it. I would rather hire people to help me make than potentially send to source out to. Yeah. Um, if somebody was creating similar products, let's say, would it be so so one thing that you said you know you're using a very specific kind of paper and maybe that's because you know you are sustainability conscious and, and things like that are you buying that paper within united states and could you have gone to a comp uh, you know some sort of a asian country you know china or india or vietnam somewhere and you know could your business model look something like where, where you're doing the design, you're creating prototypes at your place. Maybe you're, you know, creating uh, some of those items, testing it out to see what sells, what doesn't sell. And then once you have kind of validated the idea or the product, then you kind of send it to mass manufacturing and somewhere where, you know, uh, you know, you're saving time because you're not doing it yourself every day and you're getting uh, maybe even the cost is less of producing it. Um, like, is that, is that, um, a, because you are a creator and you like creating yourself, of course you're doing it, but if somebody else was doing it, like, would that be a, uh, a feasible way of running this kind of a business? 
to a degree, yes. There are a lot of things that you can um, realistically get from overseas manufacturing. Uh, notebooks, planners, notepads, um, any like gift items would be good. The one thing that doesn't really work well is greeting cards, especially depending on what kind of greeting card maker you are. If you do pop culture, you'll find that you'll sell a ton of one card in a few months and then it dies off and you're done. Hmm. And you have to be really quick on, on reacting and, and, and creating based off of that. There are a ton of U.S. manufacturers uh, for greeting cards, too. So I think uh, it's, it's pretty common to use a U.S. manufacturer for U.S.-based companies because it's just easier to get, to get things. You don't have as much shipping timeline there. You can mm -hmm. really react to what's going on in the world. And, 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 and um, like, I'm already designing for instance, I'm already mm -hmm. designing greeting cards for Christmas and all of the winter holidays in April, no March. I'm designing mm -hmm. them in March mm -hmm. and it's, and it's still nine months away. Mm -hmm. And that's, just with manufacturing them myself hmm. because these big big companies like target anthropology paper source they're buying in may okay. so you have to have it done way earlier hmm. um so it's it and you still want it to be on topic and on you know and and, and kind of focused on what your specialty is within the greeting card space so i do think there is a lot that that is that can be done overseas. I've actually gotten quotes for some of my notebooks to be done overseas. And it's awesome. Like it's so, so notebooks are fairly new for me. So I've been making them, I've been producing them, but if they explode even more, if it's something that people want to see and I'm testing it out, then I am definitely gonna be going with overseas uh, manufacturing. The cost is so low you can find a really good person to work with and to communicate with. And it's not as scary as people think it is. Um, and at, at least in the product base, it's just like, Oh no, I don't know what to do. I'm, I can't actually go in and see the product. And it's so much, it's so much product. Is this even going to work? Um, but you, you can work with, with the right people and get it produced and, and, I will absolutely be looking at that in the future if notebooks take off. Yeah. Awesome. Um, can you talk about your uh, sales channel? So of course you have your website. Uh, do you sell on some marketplaces like Etsy, Amazon, others? And, you know, you mentioned some of the retail um, like department stores kind of, you know, Target and others. Are you, are you in some of those department stores? Not in any department stores, no. Um, I will continue to try every week to try to get into department stores. That is a continuous goal of mine. Um, however, I sell, of course, on Etsy. I feel like as a maker, you should. I've been on Etsy since 2011, I want to say. So it's working well for me. I don't have to do much. It just people already like the, the SEO has built over mm. there. So Etsy just makes sense. Um, 
I am uh, have my own website. I tried Amazon and Amazon is not a good option for me. It's a whole mm. other fail story. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, through after many, many, many hours um, realizing Amazon's not for me. Um, however, I am on places like Fair and Handshake, which are both for wholesale marketplaces. Mm. And I, and then of course, um, in a little over 50 shops around uh, North America, I think two in Canada and the rest in the United States. Okay. Um, one idea that comes to mind is of course, you know, you, you, you said that you are always trying to get into these department stores. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that if you can get into one of those, I'm, uh, you know, that probably gives you a little bit more um, exposure to mass market, you know, more volume, I guess. But with your skills of designing or coming up with these new newer designs every year for Christmas, for Father's Day, Mother's Day, Thanksgiving, whatever it is, can you sell your designs to some of these bigger greeting companies? Is that something that you've ever tried? And is that is that something that, you know, they're open to 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 getting from like, you know, um outside creative people? Yes, licensing licensing is huge in the greeting card world because uh for instance, a a company like American Greetings, hmm. they do not make all of their cards. They license a bunch of them from different makers. And what that does is, or different designers, and what that does is it allows them to use their paper, their style of printing, their manufacturers. So it is pretty big um, and definitely something I have been looking at. When, when I do reach out to these department stores and big companies, that is something I always mention, especially if that's a part of their core like business plan and business model is licensing from, from different designers. So yeah, I've also looked into licensing for a lot of different things. If I can design, if I can draw, why not? But I, I'm more slow to that because a lot of my time is spent with designing my own products and running my business and, um, gathering new shops and, 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 bringing more people into the lucky dog world. So it's definitely on the radar, but I have not done that yet. Okay. I, I want to talk more about marketplaces because that, that's very interesting, especially for this kind of a product. So you said that Etsy works really well for you and then Amazon did not work. And that was kind of like a story. Um, is Etsy your biggest sales channel? Like is, is does Etsy perform better for you than your own website? And it does. <laughs> and uh, but I'm assuming that Etsy probably has many other creators like yourself who are selling similar kind of products. Um, and even with you know the kind of traffic that Etsy gets and you know the SEO capabilities and things like that, how does how does a person who is kind of looking or browsing around greetings, you know, that they're looking to send for Christmas? How do you know? You know how do how do you do you have any pull besides just your design to uh, to 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 make one person buy your product rather than a competitor's product? So how do you can you talk a little bit about Etsy and and what is the recipe to getting on Etsy and succeeding on uh, Etsy? Yeah. Um... Yeah, Etsy is such a high performer for me year after year. It's just, it it's 
what brings in the big bucks, I should say. It's um, It does perform better than my website. However, it, my website performs wonderfully. I have an SEO um, who does help me with all of the work that I have there. But Etsy is a unique beast. It It is so finicky because you need great product photos. If you don't have great product photos that clearly show what you're selling, it's going to go terribly unless you have this just super unique product that someone wants to get no matter what it looks like in a photo. Hmm. It, it just won't do well without a good product photo. So that's that's the first thing. Uh, second is reviews. It's, it's like a catch-22. You kind of need reviews to, to get... Uh, orders, but you need orders to get reviews. So like, mm. which, like, how do you do this? I mm. had a, last time I checked, I have a, I don't want to misspeak. It's in the thirties, 30% ish um, review conversion rate. So 30% mm. of the people who buy a product from me leave a review. And it's all because of everything that I put into their package, what I ask them, what I, what I share my story on my packaging. I talk about how much the reviews really help others find my shop if they love their experience as well. Hmm. Um, so that's another big one is, is really, you, you don't have very many returning customers on Etsy. If it's just from the marketplace, if it's just people searching for things. Yeah. However, if you play that right, you can build up that customer rapport on there. I have people who have been buying book cards from me on Etsy for five years now. They just come yeah. to me every few months and they're buying book cards. Yeah. Um, so it, it you really can build a rapport if you do it the right way. Uh, another big one is SEO. Uh, there are awesome tools out there that you can use to understand what search volume each keyword has so that you can put keywords in your title. So Etsy is a little different from most like e-commerce marketplaces where like the, the thing to do is stuff your title <laughs> with keywords. Hmm. Um, so you put what the what it is up front and then you just add in afterwards what else it is. So I can pull up a few examples so I can reference it well, but it's, it's really about what knowing what people are searching for. Mm. Another way you can do that without those tools is using the search bar, like starting to type in something and seeing what pops up first. Mm. Um, so I would say keywords, great product photos, key, mm. absolutely key and reviews. How are you asking people for a review when they, when they buy your product is the experience good enough for them to decide to go leave a review? It's hard to get someone to leave a review. Mm. Um, it takes time out of their day. They're busy. Uh, so to, how do you nurture them to do that? Mm. I mean, uh, I assume one challenge with the marketplace is that if somebody buys a product from you, you don't get their email address. You know, the Etsy keeps their yeah. email address or contact information, right? So I think yeah. the 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 thing that you shared about the unboxing experience or, you know, what they receive when they unbox the product, have you ever tried or tested something like, you know, offering them like a free download or, you know, some like a free sticker package or something like that? So they come on your website and they actually have to check it out on your website so you 
you get their information and then you can market to them. Have you tried anything like that? Every single order, yes. Okay. Um, everyone who orders from me gets a coupon for 15% off in my shop. It's a okay. QR code. I also have the link there, but it sends them right to sign up for my list in which they get 15% off. And that is pretty decent. I've heard from others who have Etsy shops that this doesn't really work really well, but I really think it's about how you're asking them, how you're bringing this information to them. Another huge driver for just eyeballs outside of, of Etsy is giving, asking them to share and tag me on Instagram when they get their orders. So I get like unboxing videos, TikTok unboxing videos, like everything um, um, you could imagine. And they get a code, they get a 15% off code as well for sharing. And so they follow me, they're the people that follow them sometimes follow me. So it's really about giving them like knowing what they want, just know, understanding who your audience is and what they care about. If it's Etsy, it's typically they're looking for a handmade item. That's mm. Etsy's bottom line. That's that's their driver to keep going. Mm. Um, arguments out on whether everything is handmade, but that is that is the reason why Etsy exists. So you mm. you have to imagine that these people really want to have these unique and small shop kind of like just that, that kind of captivating, I guess, vibe of a sort, you know, of mm. just working with a small shop that's hand making this item for them. So if you can capture that in, in what you're sending, you can get them beyond Etsy as well. Awesome. Um, I'm just looking on your, your website. I mean, your, your cards are quite, I, I would say, I mean, they're pretty reasonably priced, like that $8 is pretty reasonable i think in canada most cards like if you go to buy it, uh, in a general store are somewhere you know eight and maybe more like 12 14 dollars so so i would say i mean given that you're doing everything yourself your pricing is pretty pretty reasonable now you did mention that um Photographs are really important, uh, and I'm assuming, given that you do everything in house, you're you're creating the photographs. I mean, you, do you have like a little uh, photo studio that that you use to to take your own photographs? How do you how do you create like really great photographs that you say are you know absolutely essential for for selling on Etsy or you know on your website? Yeah, that is that was my greatest nemesis like three years ago. <laughs> And I'm constantly learning. Um, so I have hired people in the past to take more lifestyle shots for me. So some of my photos are from that. Like some of my best sellers I sent off to be photographed. Um, and I hire someone who can really capture that, um, capture the color and the, the vibrancy. Um, but otherwise, it's just me. I have a little studio uh, down in my basement and I have lights set up and I have taken courses and practiced and realized that my pictures were crap and then tried it again. <laughs> so it, it does take a lot of especially for someone like me who has no like I used to take pictures as a as a print journalist, but those typically were in black and white mm. <laughs> on a page. Um, so it, it, it's been a struggle for me to learn, but uh, 
a great skill set to have and definitely vital, definitely vital to a product business. Awesome. Um, the reason Amazon did not work, was it because, of course, Amazon is a very different marketplace than Etsy, right? Amazon, people are looking for value. <laughs> you know, people are like yes. mostly looking for lower cost item. They probably don't care that much about, you know, the design aspect of things. And, and of course, there's so many choices on Amazon as well. What was, you said, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for you. What, what happened on Amazon? What was your big learning uh, for Amazon? Yeah, so I love to do a lot of research before I dive into something. And so as I was trying to decide if Amazon was for me, I was looking up how much it costs, like how much a percentage, what percentage of a product sale do they take? What percentage is typically for shipping, especially with this very lightweight product? Mm. I did all of that. And there's this well-known 333 rule where um, shipping costs or Amazon takes basically a third. Your product manufacturing should cost about a third of what someone's paying. And then you take home a third. That's hmm. that's pretty standard. Okay. Um, but my manufacturing costs are way lower than that. So I was able mm -hmm. to kind of fluctuate a little bit. I got everything set up. I was all in for prime. I think if you're going to go on Amazon, mm. I, I, I personally avoid anything that's not prime. When I go mm. on there, if I'm yeah. going on there, I want something fast. I live in a big city, so I can just get it next day or same day. Sometimes I don't know how they do it, but I, yeah. I want to be on prime if I do this. Mm -hmm. And so I did all of the metrics. I signed up. I got approved. I got my listing started. Actually submitted my listing, mm. and they were taking about ninety percent, ninety percent of the cost of the product of what someone is paying for it. Really, ninety percent. Ninety percent. So if your greeting card is ten dollars, they're taking nine dollars. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, 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 because they're doing everything. They're doing customer service. They're doing fulfillment and everything. So you are basically kind of like, it's almost like a, um, uh, what is it called? Um, drop shipping kind of a model. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still making everything. You know, I'm yeah. I'm still the maker. I still have all those costs and. Um, I was, re I was ready to, to make in bulk and send them off. But at the end of the day, I didn't want to do this to make Amazon money. Yeah. It, that, that's what it would have been. It would have been me pretty much in the hole for it and just yeah. making Amazon money. <laughs> that's, I, don't, yeah, I don't think I have ever gone and bought something from someone's store that I've gotten from Amazon before. You know, like I haven't, whereas on Etsy, I have done that. Like I, I, mm. I just, this, this business exists on Amazon and that is it in my head. That's just what's there. And you can't, you can't discredit how other people use Amazon as well. And so I was not going to just make Amazon money. They didn't need my money. They didn't need that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I took that experience. I actually made thousands and thousands of thousands of product hmm. prepared for this. Whoa. And it, it's just 
something that was in the hole. I was able to, I actually made a very specific set of products that were lower cost. Hmm. Like I went down in quality and kind of printed on this. Um, it's not cheap paper, but it's just, it's not my typical paper. Hmm. And so that it was lower cost for people. If that's what people want, they want bulk. They want to like, I was making these big packs and everything like that. And I actually outsourced all of that. Hmm. And I got someone, like I made a bunch and then I had someone else help me make a bunch. And I was in the hole for all of that product, Hmm. but I was able to flip it around and sell it on Etsy for what it was actually worth. Hmm. And those are some of my best selling products at this moment. I have made so much more off of it than I would have if I just continued to sell on Amazon. I have paid it off. I was in the hole for a while, Hmm. but once those listings picked up on Etsy, I didn't, I like that. I'm sticking in my lane. If I like, I, I don't need Amazon. Hmm. They don't need me, (laughs) but I, I know where to spend my time and my money and my resources. And that just wasn't one of them. I am so surprised that Amazon would charge 90%. But if you had not gone with Prime um, and you were doing some of these uh, fulfillment and things like that yourself, then you probably would have made more money. But of course, you probably wouldn't have attracted as many customers because most people are looking for quick shipping and and, and all those benefits that come with Prime. That's That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about your fulfillment and shipping? I mean, um, I know you are creating all the products yourself, so you probably have a really good control over inventory management. You know, you're not creating large um, batches of products where, you know, they're just sitting around. Um, do you charge your customers for shipping or is that something that you kind of bake into your uh, product pricing? Um and um, and how do you ship it out? Um, you know, do you use a special kind of uh, uh, shipping, like a two-day, two-day, three-day kind of a thing, or is that you know really just uh, United States Postal Service? I love the USPS. I okay. will <laughs> I will forever use the US use the United States Postal Service. Um, please go buy stamps if you're listening to this. Please go <laughs> buy some stamps. I know it's it, unless you're in another country. You're in the U.S. Please support. Um, I do charge for shipping. Mm. I it, so to put it to put it in to perspective, um, from U.S. dollars perspective, my card costs five dollars and fifty cents, and shipping it costs between in in the U.S. costs between three fifty and four seventy five just for right. the cost for shipping. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for me to eat that cost. And it also Mm. doesn't make sense for me to charge $10 for a card. Mm. Um, So I'm just, I'm very, I'm very transparent about it. I put it everywhere that I can. Um, And I also have a free shipping threshold. So if you spend $35 with me or more, you Mm. get free shipping. And that is based off of my average order value, which is typically around $27. And which is pretty damn good for a, for a, a greeting card shop. But I then bump it up for the free sh- shipping threshold to $35. Um, 
I, yeah, it, it, at this point, it doesn't make sense for me to ship things out for free. However, the only thing I do ship out for free is stickers. I always mm. ship stickers out for free. I can put them in a little envelope. Mm. Um, internationally, it's only $3. It's super, super inexpensive to get a sticker as it should be. Everyone should have a million stickers. So I, I make sure that it's that that's free. I was actually recently looking for a sticker for my suitcases when I travel. <laughs> so I've been looking at it on Amazon, but I was looking for more like larger stickers so I can stick it on. Because, you know, you always run into this challenge when the suitcase comes out of the airplane and it's like, is it my suitcase or not? There has to be a way to recognize it. So yeah, stickers but, are great uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm assuming, you know, free shipping has this psychological effect like when I go to buy some something from somewhere and it says you know uh, minimum $35 there's the psychological effect I never want to pay for shipping so it's like you know if I have to pay six seven dollars for shipping that's like waste cost for me so I would much rather get something you know that I need or um, you know um, upgraded uh, so that I don't have to pay for shipping like do you see with this offer $35 that most people want to take advantage of it or are there like a group of people who are okay with paying for shipping um honestly it's it's hard to tell because i get a ton of orders that are under that threshold you know people paying the five dollars um i know it's a barrier amazon exists everyone expects free shipping everywhere but we yeah. are still small businesses we still like it we are much much different than these big, huge companies that can eat that cost. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm very, just very transparent about it. Hey, I'm a small business. This is, this is just the cost of it. I am not these big companies that can give you free shipping for even just like the tiniest thing. Um, however, I do find that it does help with when people are trying to make that decision who hit that like $30 mark, hmm. you know, like they can, they can just add another card and get free shipping instead of paying the $5 to get it shipped. Uh, so I definitely think it helps. Uh, but I do know that it, it is a big deterrent for a lot of people when shopping. And that's just something that the small business product community and, and all of us have to deal with. We always have to deal with the fact that we are going up against and people have the mindset of these big, huge companies. Yeah. Uh, can you quickly talk about your email marketing? I know you said that you use email marketing as like another creative outlet. Um, and of course, you know, you have your audience on your website. So I'm assuming, you know, email marketing works. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what your email marketing processes look like and, and does it um, does it work for you? Like, is it, does it convert? Email, my emails are my biggest conversion on my website. Okay. Um, I love email one, so it's, it makes it easy. Um, but I have so many automations set up that the only thing I have to worry about are writing weekly emails that just are mm. kind of like touch bases. Here's what's new flash sales, stuff like that. So I have abandoned cart, I have abandoned like search, mm. like people who are, who they know on the, like my email service provider knows their email address already. And they're just searching on the site. It sends mm. them an email with things that they were looking at. Wow, uh, okay. I think it's called browse abandonment. 
Um, I have a welcome series. I have a loyalty program. Um, I'm trying to think of like all of it. There's just so much. I have a sticker sticker club uh, list. Like all of these things kind of work for me. And like it, it is my biggest uh, income revenue driver that I have in my business as far as my website goes. Uh, search is also really good. So just like organic search, but email is number one. Um, it's fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, if, if something works, then you definitely <laughs> get to love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you do, I'm assuming you don't do any paid or do you play with some sort of uh, Google or, you know, uh, social paid advertising at all? I don't do any paid advertising. Um, I have played with it in the past as anyone who says they don't do paid advertising says, um, but it is something that I think thought about for the future. I don't think Facebook or Instagram, like the meta universe, I don't think that kind of paid advertising is in my future. Um, however, I do really, really well with Google search and I do really well in the Google shopping tab. Uh, so I have definitely played around with the idea of starting to, um, advertise for the holidays, like not advertising for the holidays, but starting advertising in August and September to build up those advertisements that go through the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think Google would work really well, but I am kind of waiting because the way that AI and Google Bard is just changing how the, how you look at a page. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm just kind of holding off for that just to see how, what that does to even organic search, let alone paid search. Mm -hmm. What about, um, social? I do see that you do have a TikTok account and an Instagram account. Is that kind of just brand building mostly, or do you see any traction through those uh, channels? I see a lot of traction through those channels, which really? is okay. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So Instagram is my fourth biggest revenue driver on my website. Um, and Whoa. Facebook's kind of, it drags along a little bit, but I have some older audiences there who have been sending cards since they were young. Like this is one of my my target markets that are that is completely separate from my core group, but they're just like 60 to 70 years old and they send out cards like crazy everywhere. Um, and I, I, I still stick to Facebook because they come through there. Facebook is more of a brand building and I don't spend as much time there, but Instagram is the place that I'm at and the place that works best for me, especially since my products are just so visual mm -hmm. and I have all of these interests in my life, gardening, embroidery, reading, all of this stuff. And I get to share and, and connect with people who are very similar. And I find that when I'm sharing like that, when I am sharing more into my personal life and what it means to be a business owner that has a full-time job, that has all of these loves and, and, and dreams in the world, and they just connect. They know mm. they, they, they know this person. It's not just a brand, it's a person at that point. And I think that's why Instagram does so well. Awesome. Um, before I move on to the rapid fire segment, I asked this questions, uh, question to everyone. 
um, you know, every entrepreneur um, goes through a learning process. You know, there's mistakes made, lessons learned, failures in, in the entrepreneurship process. <laughs> what has been your, you know, a biggest mistake? I, I know you you talked about Amazon, but uh, anything, any um, any other big failure that that sticks out for you um what did what was your learning what can other entrepreneurs learn from your mistakes yeah i think going full-time when i wasn't ready is one of my biggest mistakes i i don't like calling it a mistake we all fail like if you're not failing then you're not trying enough like you're mm. not trying enough things um just keep trying everything and so I don't like to necessarily call it a mistake because I've worked through that. But uh, when I failed full time, like I said, I went into a deep burnout where I wasn't creating, I wasn't doing anything. And one of the greatest lessons I learned from that was that I need to take care of myself first. Mm. And so I found myself, not really, but like I, I took care of myself. I found new hobbies. I talk to mental health professionals, I got through it hmm. and learned the boundaries that I need to set every single day. I can, I can see burnout coming from a mile away now. And when hmm. I do that, I know to shut down my computer. I know to tie up any loose ends and just take time off doing hmm. the things you love. I will do that with my full-time job too. I will say, I'm sorry. I like if it's, if it's burnout coming, I will say, Hey, I need to take a couple of days hmm. it, because your mental health, your, your physical well-being, you cannot run your business without it. Hmm. Like you For just sure. can't, Yeah, it should be top of the pyramid when it comes to what you need to be taking care of with your business. Um, so I learned that the hard way and I'm very, very grateful for it. And sometimes you have to learn things the hard way. Definitely. I think you definitely have to prioritize your health, whether it's physical, mental, because without that, nothing, nothing's going to work. So it doesn't matter how much effort you want to put into something. If your health is not right, I think it's not going to work. Now I'm going to move on to our, our rapid fire segment. In this segment, I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and you have to answer them maybe in a couple of words or a sentence or so. Um, one book recommendation for entrepreneurs um, and why? Hmm. It's going to be a little different. Uh, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. She is excellent at teaching you how to communicate and how human emotion plays such huge roles in entrepreneurship. And I really believe that understanding the people around you is, is critical to your business. For sure. Uh, an innovative product or idea in the current e-commerce, retail, or tech landscape that you feel excited about? Okay, this one might be cheesy, but I love the creativity happening with AI right now. Like being able to do keyword research, blog outlines, search creative subject lines, turning like your meetings and your podcasts into sound bites, hmm. photo editing, like it's crazy. And I'm so excited to see like how it continues to evolve. Definitely. I, you know, I've, I've been hearing AI with so many people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> A business or productivity tool or software that you would recommend or a productivity tip? All right. We could have a whole other podcast on productivity. I love it. Um, my tip is to make your to-do list every day very manageable. So 
literally sit down and write out the meetings you have, write out the breaks that you need, which should be second, and then find the pockets that you have and fill them in with tasks. Your to-do list should not be a mile long. Hmm. And those type of to-do lists tend to burn you out. And then you have things on there that stay on there and don't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake with productivity is like to put too much on your calendar. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, a startup or business in e-commerce, retail or tech that you think is currently doing great things. I think fair. I, I may get a lot of hate and love for this, but they have revolutionized how retail store owners can connect and buy from makers of every size. There used hmm. to be such a hard thing to get through or to find people. And it makes it easier for small makers and businesses to be found by shops. Um, I think there's a lot of room for growth and learning for, for fair, but it's an incredible resource right now for both parties. I didn't ask you, did, is fair working for you actually? Like, do you, do you actually see some traction through there? I fair is my, one of my biggest wholesale order drivers. Yeah. I do have people who still, uh, give me like send me orders via like an order form, hmm. but most just want to go through fair because they provide terms. They allow, um, shops, retail shops to pay like net 30 and net 60 where small shops cannot typically get that at all or give that kind of payment plan. For sure. Uh, a peer entrepreneur or business person whom you look up to or someone who inspires you? Uh, right now, uh, my colleague, Nina Gibson, she's an SEO expert and she is changing the game. It is so cool to see what she's doing. She is all about no bull, whole lot of heart. And she's saying things that others refuse to say that uh, she's leading her business with in the field with integrity. And it's really, really cool to see her, see her and see how she's growing as well. Awesome. Final question. Best business advice you ever received or you would give to other entrepreneurs? Okay. Uh, I think it is no one else is sitting there thinking, oh, how will I make Kayla's dreams come true today? <laughs> How can I help her business? <laughs> mm. I say put in the work, sell every single day in some capacity. I had a mm. mentor who once gave me this analogy of uh, being a retail brick and mortar shop. Someone walks into your store. What mm. is their experience? Is everything merchandised and looking great? Are there price tags on your pieces? Is there someone there to greet them or help them check out? Is the door even unlocked and the lights mm. on? A retail store owner is selling every single day and that applies to every single business without the mm. sign on the door, without the lights on, without you telling people you're there to help them, mm. how will they know you exist? Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a great advice. I think, you know, I see so many businesses who who kind of don't do I think as much as they can in terms of selling you know it's like there's a you know sometimes I go into a place and I am looking to find some help and you know nobody's there to help or you know they're not really helpful and that that's a big turn off to be honest and mm -hmm. and I think yeah no build no business can exist without selling so so I think that's that's an awesome advice I think um, sales is business so well, those were all the questions that I had, Kayla. Um, thank you so much 
for joining today. Thank you for uh, for your time, for sharing your story. Very interesting story. Uh, if anybody wants to purchase your products, what is the best way they can do that? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, people can find me at luckydogdesign.co, not .com, .co. Um, and I'm on Instagram at luckydogmailclub. Uh, so I'd love to connect. If you have any more questions from this, I'm happy to answer. So please don't be shy. Awesome. Well, Kayla, thank you so much again. Uh, really appreciate your time today and wish you all the very best uh, in your business. So thanks again and really appreciate you joining us today at Trip Talks. Thank you.